Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to another week the great state of Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Claire Zauke, our healthcare director. Citizen Action is with us. Claire, good to have you. Hi, good to see you, Matt. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. I missed last week, Claire. I was super under the weather. I am still actually under the weather. It's amazing. I do not have COVID, but I have a little bit of a respiratory bug. It's great to be back. I may sound a little funny today, but I got Claire to pick me up and Robert Craig, our executive director who's with us. Robert, how are you? I'm good. I enjoyed the global warming induced 64 degree day yesterday in Milwaukee, but now we're back to winter. So the new normal is volatility. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite a night last night. We record Thursday mornings and uh, across the state, uh, we had, uh, we had some amazing weather, uh, and this is on top of unbelievable weather last week. It is impossible not to make the connections to our broader climate discussions that um, we've been talking about. But with that, folks, we have a lot to talk about. There is a, a lot going on as we head into the holidays and the end of the year. Um, one of those is we had a horrible COVID uh, death sort of uh, marker that we hit of 800,000 Americans have uh, passed now because of COVID. And it's uh, very clear, Claire, that we're headed to a million. It looks like that is just unstoppable. Uh, and Omicron, uh, geez, I've only been gone two weeks and we all know about Omicron and it appears to be surging uh, in this country and starting to increase in our numbers. Um, and so this is all, all pretty amazing stuff, Claire. Um, that's a, a million. We're headed towards a million. We're at 800,000. Those are staggering numbers and they're worth taking the time and pause and, and, and commenting on it. Yeah, it's really sobering. Um, I remember when the country hit 200,000 COVID deaths and that felt like a monumentous, almost unimaginable uh, milestone. And now here we are passing that four times over. Um, I, it, it's hard to put into words how much this country has lost um, when, and how much, how, how the human toll of this pandemic uh, across the world. Yeah, it's, it's sobering. And Robert, Obviously want to get your thoughts. I want to add one other piece of uh, news that did come out this week too. And that is DHS here has been giving monthly updates on the difference between being vaccinated and unvaccinated and your hospitalization rates. It is still more than 10, 12 times uh, you, if you are unvaccinated that you are likely to be hospitalized. Robert, um, again, context on, on this momentous number um, as this, we continue to surge with uh, COVID. And we're back to the holidays and people have taken off their masks in public, even Democrats. This isn't just Trump folks not wearing their masks in supermarkets and other places where it's just not that hard. Uh, but um, we're currently in the Delta surge. So people, which is a very deadly variant. So folks need to be aware that 
Christmas, New Year's, all very dangerous. We're expecting a giant surge through January because that's when the infections hit from Delta. And then Omicron begins to hit, which is substantially more contagious. Word still not still not clear, given the evidence of mostly younger populations, whether it's less deadly. It might be. It might not be. Uh, but it does a better job of getting around the vaccine. So even the fully vaccinated are going to need to uh, be careful. Um, it's 30 percent effective only in uh, preventing infections, but it is, uh, but the but the uh, vaccine is very effective in preventing serious illness and keeping you out of the hospital. So having something like the flu versus have it being you know on a ventilator are a big difference. So yeah, I was going to say, we Robert, need- that's a critical point. That is a critical yeah. point. Now we need to underscore that. And I I just want to hammer away. Fauci's been trying to do that too. Uh, but you're mm-hmm. right. We still got a, there's still data out there. Uh, sorry to interrupt. But no one's doing enough. And I know we tend to, on the left, be technical rationalists and segregate issues. I will just say this is about a threat to democracy as well, because we have a democracy that used to be able to get public health compliance and now cannot. And it is not just because a couple crazy people like Donald Trump or in this state, Robin Voss or Ron Johnson. Uh, what we, we all really think structurally about this, and in terms of power, we have an, a corporate elite and a billionaire class that actually benefit from divisions and are funding and super fueling the conservative movement that thrives on divisions and, and will stop at nothing for its political advantage, including murdering, because that's what this amounts to, or at least manslaughter, its own base in order to get ahead and win elections. And so... This is all part of the threat to democracy. It's why democracy, the process is under siege, but democracy not working and not providing benefits to people undermines respect and faith in democracy and makes people tune out and makes them less likely to defend it or even participate in elections. So these are all related. They're not all separate issues. Look, I think uh, what I'd like to refocus our conversation and certainly Claire and Robert get your thoughts on is like our goal too is to also look at this how are we handling this politically and we have discussed this in the state how this has been mishandled but like here's an example just yesterday we have Speaker Voss publicly saying that they don't see there's any role for them to do anything to deal with the fact that we have hospitals that are at capacity in certain regions of the state uh, and certainly at close, almost everywhere in the state, blaming the hospitals, saying that it's their vaccination policies, right, for, for the problems with staffing, which is absurd. But this is sort of the political state of play, Claire. It's it's extraordinarily frustrating. I say it's more than frustrating. It's it's disgusting, right? To um, to direct blame for the shortage away from uh, people's behavior and away from your own uh, responsibility for encouraging the things that will get the pandemic under control and instead shifting it onto the hospitals and the people providing. Now, look, I'm no fan of hospitals as an institution, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that's been pretty clear here. Um, 
But these are also institutions right now that are dealing with a tremendous amount of stress and who we're getting reports on every day, right? It's, it's getting worse because their capacity is increasingly filling up. Um, and so to say that like the way that they're handling themselves and their internal policies that they put in place in order to keep their employees and the patients and the public safe are the cause for this instead of um, your own party's campaign of misinformation or um, your you know base is willing to get vaccinated, right? Pointing fingers in this other direction is is it's just disgusting. You know, and Claire, this is on top of I don't know if you saw it earlier in the week. And Robert, I'll go go to you. Um, you know, Andre Jacques was, you know, basically at death's door, and um, healthcare workers saved his life, right? And, and the and medical system saved his life. This week, he refused to come out and publicly support vaccination. It's just, I mean, this is this is where we are, Robert. And part of it's a know-nothing ideology, though it gives the know-nothing party of the 1850s a bad name in some ways. Um, that is that they actually, these are the, how you believe in climate denial and how you believe there's not any uh, white privilege in our society, et cetera, et cetera, um, the whole thing. But, uh, and it's how you're Elon Musk. Uh, here's the way to view it. Elon Musk came out against Build Back Better and he built this whole empire with government subsidies, but he's now against government subsidies of any kind. And he's against anything that helps working class people and the poor. And he has been assaulted on the left and rightly so. But he reflects the billionaire class. And that's who funds the Andre Jocks of the world. He is a bit player. He's gone if the major powers that be don't want him. And they see it to their advantage to divide so they can conquer, to quote Governor Scott Walker, who for once put something perfectly in an unintentionally malicious way because it was caught in a documentary. It was not his one of his well-polished message speeches. Well, folks, we're going to continue to talk about and track and discuss this COVID issue. Um, we mentioned uh, that number 12 times more likely to be hospitalized if you're unvaccinated. Also want to just underscore the both the hospitalization rates are at record highs for the year. We're still over 1,700 in our hospitals. Our COVID testing rates, uh, Robert uh, sort of alluded to this, continue to remain extremely high. We were just over 4,000 positives again yesterday. So folks, please get vaccinated. If you have loved ones, if you know folks in your networks who are not, please encourage uh, them to get vaccinated. With that, we are going to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are going to talk about Build Back Better. Um, we have been talking about this almost every week. Um, Robert and Claire have been outstanding at sort of laying out both how historic the potential of this legislation is uh, to do significant things about a number of things we care about. And Claire has certainly gone into some of the details about some of those pieces. I wanna start, Robert, could you just give us a one minute update on where we stand? Because uh, there is some new news this week. Um, and then after that, I would like both of you to talk 
and educate our panel a little bit. We have not talked a lot about the, the whole issue that's been going on around immigration uh, and the lack of the ability to get any progress on that within Build Back Better. And there's been a number of uh, actions this week. And so definitely want to get uh, your thoughts on that. But Robert, could you just give us one minute on kind of where we stand? We're not going to have the vote before Christmas, which is what Chuck Schumer wanted. Members already passed the House. Part of the problem is the bird bath, which is putting it in the parliamentarian's language. It's not done, so they can't vote. Part of the problem is actually the immigration division in the party, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then part of the problem is Manchin. And Manchin is looking increasingly like someone who is willing to be a party of one and block every other Democrat. And you know he has the power to do it because of the close majority. He has the marginal power. But apparently, reportedly, the talks between Biden and Manchin are not going well. So, And Manchin is now coming out against the child tax credit, which reduced child poverty by 50 percent and was the biggest blow for racial equality because black and brown people, kids are disproportionately poor that we've had maybe ever, given the New Deal structural racism. And he wants it scored financially in terms of cost over 10 years, which we did in the original bill, but you'd have to be allow it to be funded by tax making corporations the wealthy pay their fair share, something Senator Manchin is also against. So it looks like they're gonna to shift to voting rights, try to get around the filibuster with Senator Manchin, then return to build back better, very dangerous, because I think both have to happen for the Democrats not to be completely killed in the 2022 elections, in addition to all the great things that are in Build Back Better that we talk about every week. So with that, I guess, Claire, I'm gonna kick it to you. Um, we have, as I said before, we have not spent a lot of time discussing this immigrate the immigration issue, which has been central um, in this discussion and as, uh, you know, clearly likely to run afoul with uh, the Senate parliamentarian. Can you help tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, how this issue is playing out in Build Back Better? Sure, so what Build Back Better uh, includes at a very high level around immigration is, is functionally a pathway to citizenship, which has been a priority of the Democratic Caucus, um, at least nominally. I, I cannot say that I'm, uh, that immigration reform is my policy bailiwick. Um, so there are certainly people here in Wisconsin who could speak with much more authority uh, on this topic. Um, but at least nominally, this has been a priority of the Democratic Caucus for a long time, which is why it's been included in the Build Back Better Act, um, this uh, pathway to citizenship, they're calling it. Um, and the, the question here is whether that could reasonably be called a a uh, budget item or a policy item. And in fact, from the very beginning of the Build Back Better framework, or it, I shouldn't say the very beginning, since at least the announcement of the uh, President and Democrats framework compromise that came out a few months ago, there's always been some debate about whether the immigration piece would stay into the Build Back Better bill. And um, this is evidenced by the fact that some people reported the size of the package uh, news outlets as 1.85 trillion, others said 1.75 trillion, and that's because the $100 million, um, that, that 0.1 difference um, in the budgets uh, is basically the immigration piece. So, so some news outlets even assumed it wouldn't stay in and just took it out altogether. 
uh, when calculating the, the budget size. Um, I, I would say it is a good sign that up until this point, it stayed in the bill. It shows that there's at least a sizable number of people uh, in the Senate and in the House of Representatives who are committed to that provision. It certainly is important, will make a big difference in a lot of people in our community's lives. Um, but as we all know, it needs to pass this, what they're calling bird bath, the Senate parliamentarian who gets to decide this is a budget item. This is not a budget item. It gets to be in this bill. It doesn't get to be in this bill. And I'm sure Robert will have an analysis for us about, um, you know, how, why that's bad, because it's ceded a lot of power to this, um, you know, functionally this bureaucrat. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so that so that's what's in the bill. That's where we're at now with it. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that there are a lot of activists in Wisconsin who are working on this. Um, I want to shout out Voces de la uh, Frontera, which is a um, immigrants' rights um, organization here in Wisconsin that does tremendous uh, community organizing, and they held a big statewide day of action, uh, urging the Democrats to um, uh, urge the parliamentarian <laughs> to keep this provision um, in the bill. So, so they did that earlier in the week um, and got tremendous news coverage. It's a great article in the Wisconsin Examiner on it. If you want to look up and learn more. I'll go to Robert, though, for your for your thoughts on the process. So, you know, just a cautionary note to our friend, all of our progressive friends. Um, the parliamentarian doesn't have any real power here. They're being empowered by the mansion and cinema who won't change the filibuster. OK, that's the only reason we have to put it into a budget resolution and pretend that giving people a right immigrant immigrants rights is a budget issue. OK. The Democratic play is this. Almost all Democrats want to uh, uh, do popular immigration reforms. Everyone agrees we have a broken system on our side, and Republicans will say it's broken too, but they, have, uh, they want to exploit the issue for division, as usual. Uh, in fact, the, the crisis helps them because they claim a, a fake border crisis. Uh, so we could, we could fix this if we were serious about the filibuster, and that's why Senators who are not serious about the filibuster are not serious about doing it. It's the same with voting rights or securing the elections from a Republican takeover, guaranteeing their victory. It's the same thing. The problem with the Democratic gambit is this. Immigration right groups nationally are not going to buy that they tried and, oh, it's just not possible. Postal Stella Frontera and the other members of their network, it's called FIRM, it's a network of immigration rights groups, and some of the People's Action Network groups we're in relationship with are also parts of firms. Those folks are telling me that it's going to demoralize their memberships. And they don't even know how they can do turnout in the 2022 election if they can't get some immigration reform. But the problem for Biden and, and uh, Schumer is, is that they need mansion and cinema and they can't get them. I can tell you our friends at Lucha in Arizona are a very powerful organization. They've been hammering cinema and she does not care what her own constituents think. She just doesn't. She's probably setting up her job in the pharmaceutical industry after she can't run again for Senate. Look, this is, I mean, it's a real problem. This issue is so clear and obvious. It's a moral situation we're in. And Robert, 100% right. It, there is no, there's no explanation that will satisfy um, people who care deeply about this issue and for good reason. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna damage Democrats electorally 
if they can't figure out a way to get this through. So um, I, Claire, want to echo what you had to say about the groups that have been out, the folks. Uh, and, and this week was just one of a series. It's been like this for months in terms of direct actions, activities. Robert, you mentioned Lucha and Arizona. Um, just, I mean, there is no way these folks don't know what's at stake. So hopefully um, we'll see some movement. But again, Robert, you mentioned it's the tranquility of uh, Manchinema and we've been talking about them on here. Uh, so with that though, I don't know. I just want to give either of you, if you have any other closing thoughts, otherwise um, we could move on. This has to do with democracy. We've got to start, the Republicans don't have to deliver because they do cultural politics. They switch it to, to fake issues like CRT that they've invented uh, or the, border, the alleged border crisis. So we need to deliver and we need to find a way to deliver, but our margins are too close. But how do you tell people who are living in the shadows who have been denied access to our democracy and, our, and the benefits of our country for years are major contributors to society and have to go through so much more than white folks immigrate in the 19th and early 20th century who are given citizenship very easily and readily, almost automatically. And that's our ancestors. So just understand the structural racism in the current immigration system and how hard it is to, be, uh, to become a citizen or to, become, or, to, or to get legal status here. And so, of course, they're not going to understand. And of course, it undermines us. And it, it, it hastens the possibility that we have a fascist takeover in 2024. It's that simple. It is definitely stark. With that, though, we got to take a break. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Folks, you can find us all over social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, and, of course, you can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We'll see you right back. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We are going to switch topics, talk about democracy. We, uh, we have been endlessly just discussing the attack on our democracy, both nationally that's been going on, uh, and that's everything from what happened on January 6th to all the activities uh, around suppressing the right to vote uh, that's been going on across this country, but we've been focusing what's been going on here in Wisconsin, because we're a critical swing state, and uh, it's we've had some of the more aggressive activities to go after fundamental rights of voting. And this week, I wanted us to discuss a couple of things. Uh, one is we need to talk about and uh, Senator Kathy Bernier and her comments this week, um, because she is, first of all, she's an elected state senator in this legislature and the first real Republican to stand up and full-throatedly this week uh, defend the institutions. And I'll just remind our listeners, Senator Bernier is a former clerk. So she has a deep understanding of really how these, uh, how these uh, institutions operate uh, in in, for real uh, throughout our municipalities. Uh, but she courageously this week pushed back um, and basically also suggested very suggested is pretty much said that the base that is pushing on this is armed, they're dangerous, and that she's going to arm herself to deal with them. So 
quite a comment, quite uh, important on multiple fronts. And I would love to get both of your thoughts on Senator Bernier this week and its relative importance. Robert? I'll just say, I know that Senator Bernier has stood for a lot of rotten things and carried a lot of water and our members in Eau Claire, certainly in the Eau Claire, Chippewa Valley area, have certainly let us know that. But unfortunately, we're at a time where Democrats are ignored and any Republican uh, dissension is critical to saving democracy. So just like Charlie Sykes is now on MSNBC now, despite running a pernicious and, and uh, race baiting uh, talk show for years in Wisconsin that helped build Scott Walker and, and Ron Johnson up. It's important that he's now doing something different. Lynn Cheney, same thing at the national level on the January 6th commission. And uh, Senator Bernier joins the group. And this is national news. This is all over MSNBC and even right wing media, not Fox News, but places like the Washington Examiner and other right wing sources. If you Google her name, it's national news. And so this is important. It does make me wonder whether she's planning not to run for reelection. It'd be great if she did and she was reelected. We need to start to have Republicans survive who take these positions and attack their base. It kind of makes me wonder because she's up. But then I would have expected a Trump attack on her, which is usually the death knell. But that hasn't happened, I think, in part because Trump is, is so under the defensive around the January 6th commission and all of the revelations that were read into the record by uh, Representative Cheney uh, this week. And I, I'll say about the Cheneys, because Dick Cheney had, does not have a pretty record. Be careful if you cross the Cheneys. I would say that uh, Saddam Hussein and, and Donald Trump share that learning. Claire? I Yeah, I think that we can recognize that an elected person like uh, Senator Bernier um, can do the right thing on one issue and still, you know, not be somebody that we, you know, want to endorse in this organization, right? Like, I think that's okay. I think that's how a functioning democracy and republic should work, that that we, um, especially as a, as a technically a nonpartisan organization, should be able to say this is something a Republican did that we support. If this is one of those one of those situations, um, saving our republic should not be a partisan issue. It should be something that um, everybody can get on board with. Um, so I, I'm glad that there is at least one more voice from outside the Democratic or um, progressive bodies and caucuses. Um, voicing concern about the state of our republic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's super important given what we've seen and what we've talked about, what's going on, because uh, it, it is definitely a clear and pre present danger. I know last week you all talked about what's been going on with the election commission aspect of this. And there's one other aspect of this uh, that I just want to get your comments on. And the loss uh, extended uh, Gableman's investigation, and then we'll throw investigation in air quotes, so we'll sham review uh, has been extended, and it's going to cost us more, and we still don't know what it's completely hidden. Uh, and of course, of course, Robert and Claire, it's the Blue City's fault for all this delay. Please, your thoughts? Well, 
look, this clown show investigation, which is to appease the base and appease Donald Trump, you know, their emperor and uh, emperor in rating, uh, is all just to appease him. And it's getting worse than Arizona and even crazier. And so he's threatening to arrest or have arrested um, Mayor Eric Genrich from Green Bay, who's actually a Citizen Action member, and Mayor Tom Barrett, a very moderate uh, mayor in Milwaukee. He's cl- they're claiming it needs to be extended, even though it's been a joke and an embarrassment with a secret staff and with rightly media fact check me, Mr. Gableman admitting that he doesn't know much about elections early beginning of the process or how election law works, but he's leading our investigation. Uh, and so and he's the kind of person they put on the state Supreme Court, someone totally unqualified to be on the state Supreme Court who's embarrassing himself, except not for the base. And so the conspiracy continues. In other words, Bernier will be ignored. It's not being covered on Fox News. Uh, and uh, this is being heralded as finding all of the corruption and the story is being told differently. And remember, you know, we have Robin Voss calling on DAs to prosecute clerks all over the all over the state. Uh, we have the, the, the Racine County Sheriff uh, threatening, uh, referring five of the six uh, Wisconsin Election Commission members for prosecution for allegedly six crimes, including, I believe it's four felonies, when in fact the only possible felony being committed is by him, by misusing his office for partisan purpose. And I will renew what I said last week, that is, where is, hopefully it's not been revealed yet, the attorney general investigation of the Racine County District attorney investigation into the misuse of, his, of their, their office, which is a class one felony by the Racine County Sheriff. Folks, this stuff is all connected. Um, we have talked about the filibuster nationally, right? And how if we don't pass something at the federal level that, you know, is takes over and essentially uh, deals with what's happened in a lot of the states over the last year and what we're witnessing in Wisconsin, um, this is real serious implications for our democracy in 2022. We are going to continue to pay a lot of attention to it on the show because we think it's really important. Um, and in some ways, in spite of all the attention, in some ways, grossly undercovered in terms of its importance. Um, I'll just say, I, I've been doing political work a long time and you know, a lot of you know, the people we deal with, we talk about this as an, uh, it's a coming off your election cycle. And if there's a, there's a sense of normalization of what what's happening because we all have work to do, right? We're all trying to figure out ways to, uh, you know, if, if you're doing election work, win an election. But it, it, it really su- can tend to suppress the fact that we had an insurrection on January 6th. And by the way, we're coming up on a one year anniversary and it is worth noting and thinking about that and what's at stake that we don't go into 2022 blindly thinking our institutions are in great shape right now. Um, And so we're gonna continue to talk about that on the show. We think it's really super important. However, we are going to switch topics. Um, There's been a lot of news within the legislature and the Democratic Party that I wanna get both of your thoughts on because it's important. 
And that is, we've had some leadership change. We mentioned earlier, John Erpenbach stepped down uh, in the Senate. Uh, this week, the big news is Assembly Minority Leader Gordon Hintz, who's been leading the caucus for a number of years now, is stepping down uh, and will no longer uh, be in that position, which means it's open, which means there's change is possible. Uh, the news as of this morning, publicly, is that Greta Neubauer is potentially a front runner and seems to be the only one, at least publicly, who's out there uh, saying that they're uh, running for the office. However, Robert, I assume you may have some other information, but I wanted to get your, your thoughts on this. Uh, it's, it's a real opportunity for change, despite uh, the, the situation of the sort of permanent minority that uh, this caucus appears to be in. Thoughts? Well, I may be breaking news. I don't know. My sources tell me Jody Emerson of Eau Claire, who's a Citizen Action member, is also a candidate. Mm. The news. election is Monday. And so that's the big news. I think Gordon, my God, it's been a terrible job, but I know he has young kids, so I don't think this is all about the job. But I think there's a great opportunity for changing of the guard here, Matt. And uh, uh, I, uh, Greta may well win. They're both very qualified candidates, but I, it is my understanding Jody Emerson is also running. And who knows when they meet on Monday, who well, who do others could throw their hat into the ring? Speaking of that, Claire Zalke, who are we throwing into the ring? Into the ring to replace Gordon? <laughs> uh, you know, I gave up a long time ago trying to anticipate what would happen with the internal politics of uh, that, that happened when you put a group of legislators together and ask them to um, elect their own leader and organize themselves. So um, I, I am not going to place my bets behind anybody. I'm not even going to make any guesses, except to say, I think if it were either one of those two women, um, they would do um, a wonderful job. And yeah, I think, I think it is a, a great opportunity to have a slightly younger person and a woman uh, in that seat. That would be very cool. Folks, we got to take a break. We're going to talk more on the other side. You're listening to that. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We were just talking about Gordon Hintz stepping down. Just wanted to make sure, give Robert, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to say about either this or just the opportunity that this presents both. And also, I mean, clearly there, there's an opportunity for change throughout the legislature uh, right now. Any further thoughts? I would say that what the caucuses have been doing in terms of elections has not been working. And I, you know, I have in, in our anecdotal experience, not thought that these were the most strategic cutting edge operations as far as how candidates are being advised to run and being recruited. So there's an opportunity for, particularly in this horrible redistricting we're going to face, for a minority leader that could, and, and some young blood coming in and changing our election operation. I also think, and we've been pushing for this, that the legislature does not simply have to be tame and offer compromises the Republicans then all reject, because it's like authoritarian state in, the, in both houses of the legislature. Democrats have no role. They should actually be putting out what would actually solve our problems and, 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 and in the legislature through agenda setting, 
make clear cut choices between Republicans and Democrats that you can then bring into elections. And I think that there is a model for doing that here. And that's what people like uh, like like um, AOC were doing in the and the Congressional Caucus before they got more power is putting the big things out like Medicare for all, like a Green New Deal, so that there is a clear choice to be made or real criminal justice reform. Right. And so I think there's an opportunity here for a change. And I'm not blaming Representative Hintz. He's had to lead. It's a really hard job. You have to be a consensus among the group. So it's the whole group. OK. But I'm just saying the group is evolving. There's more and more younger members stepping up and they can also learn from what it hasn't been working and up their game, I hope. Look, I first of all, I want to thank Gordon Hintz. I think it's been an incredibly challenging time to lead. I think these maps are incredibly difficult to deal with, but I agree. I think change is always helpful and uh, and it could help spark some energy. And uh, so this is something that a lot of folks, progressives, people in the party, generally, as Claire said, you know, you stay out of this, it's internal and stuff, but we wanted to at least talk about it, let people know we think it's important um, and uh, really hope it uh, speaks well to uh, new blood in the future of the party. And there were definitely some new candidates who came out this last cycle Hopefully, uh, this will lead to, to more of that. However, do want to continue to talk about the idea of new blood and uh, you know new energy uh, in our movement. And I uh, wanted to at least uh, mention an event that occurred this week with one of our cooperatives, our organizing cooperative in the Driftless area, the lacrosse area, um, had an event with a number of students at UW Lacrosse around climate, uh, and in particular around some of the uh, concerns that students and people on the campus have with the university's um, tackling of climate change and really getting much more serious and getting uh, actually getting a real plan uh, uh, together. Um, and those folks had an amazing event this week. Uh, they got wall-to-wall -wall press and coverage for their cause. And we just wanted to shout that out. Um, Want to give any of our, uh, either of you an opportunity to talk more about that and why it's so important. We talked earlier about Build Back Better. It just, the the whole movement on climate right now is really critical and, you know, shout out to these students for organizing and being a part of the change we need. Uh, any further thoughts from either of you? It's really uh, something to see young folks, especially, um, for example, students on college campuses, uh, doing the incredible work of being leaders uh, in in movements. And it, I think it makes sense that so many young folks in particular would be mobilized and energized around the issue of saving the planet from a climate catastrophe. So to see the incredible work that they did here uh, the, the quality of event that they pulled off is really is really wonderful. So my my hat goes off to these budding young organizers who did such great work. And uh, I'm proud that Citizen Action was able to support them. Robert, any thoughts? Hi. Look, I think we know that probably the two top priorities for young people are affordability of college and student debt, right? And climate. 
and here and not all young people, a lot of young people. So it's great that uh, that we're leaning in in lacrosse area and other places to you know the agency of young people in this because we're all going to be harmed. I mean the, the the polar ice caps are melting faster than anyone predicted. Uh, that's the latest scientific scary news uh, this last couple of weeks. But it's important to understand. You can't just say, oh, that's a federal government problem. It has to do with uh, mansion. No, we need to, we're a fossil fuel economy and we need to interrupt the fossil fuel economy everywhere. And an allegedly progressive institution, I mean progressive in terms of education, not politically like UW-Lacrosse, ought to be leading the climate conversion, as should every blue city and purple city in this state. And that's what we're pushing for. It's why we're pushing for climate action plans that also improve economic racial equity in Milwaukee and in a lot of other parts of the state and, and, and to school districts to have a Green New Deal for schools. And so this is great and pressure from students has a big impact. They have this, it's a beautiful thing that uh, campus activism can have a huge impact because of the relative number of students compared to administration on any campus. So this is great. We need a lot more of it and we need to actually get climate, a serious climate uh, conversion coming from every UW school, every local government, and uh, every county government and every school district. You know, and one of the things that I want to highlight that I think is really important, and we don't talk enough about this on the podcast, is that the part of why this happens is there's people in organizations and organizing that's going on. And there are a couple of um, interns within our uh, Driftless Co-op that helped lead and organize this. And I, I, I want to encourage our listeners to support our organization. Um, please, it's the end of the year coming up. This is a great time for you to consider donating to Citizen Action. We're going to have a link on both the SoundCloud and on the website with this podcast where you can go and donate. Just make a one-time donation if that's what you'd like to do. But I'm also going to put a link on there for you to join our co-ops. Um, if you're not a member of one of our organizing co-ops, you really ought to be. And we have a number of them in different regions of the state. We mentioned the Driftless one earlier on this show. That's a huge area, you know, around La Crosse and Viroqua and all over. North Central Wisconsin, you know, if you're in the Wausau, Stevens Point, up into Anago. Uh, great co-op up there, Joel Lewis leads. Brianna Stanley up there in Western Wisconsin in the Eau Claire uh, area and all over Chippewa, if you're all the way, all the way to the Mississippi River, please consider joining that co-op or join Noah Reefs, the organizer in Green Bay and Appleton area, our Northeastern co-op. It's, it's really important. These, the, the kind of movement that's going to make the change we want does require organization and it requires people and energy. And that's both you and your time and your energy, but also your resources. And so we would greatly appreciate if you could make a donation to Citizen Action or join one of our organizing co-ops that helps uh, make the change we all want to see. Uh, Robert, Claire, any other further thoughts on the importance of uh, membership and an organization? I would. Action? I would just add, and I don't want to sound like public radio where they hijack you forever, that think of it from a power analysis standpoint. 
we were up against the entire billionaire class, corporate America that is, quite frankly, through their contributions and super funding, this pre-fascist Republican Party are behind a lot of this, but getting by unscathed because people don't blame them in particular, uh, that we're up against all that power. And so this idea is just all people doing things voluntarily in their community, unconnected to themselves, it's not real. So we need resources in order to bring people together and to do the only thing that can defeat organized money, and that is organized people. But there need to be resources to do this. This is not the 19th century, and even the 19th century, this wasn't really the case, but the kind of mythical Mr. Smith goes to Washington, people just come together and episodically and bring it together. This requires tons of volunteer work, but they need people need to volunteer a lot in organizations that have staying power, have strategies, and can add other resources to a campaign so we can actually win elections and then win legislation, which is the only way to prove case on democracy. That's right, folks. We not only do the organizing, you know, and Claire is on here every week giving you the goods on healthcare, clarification on all the details, that requires resources, but we connect that to elections, to power. And so that's important in an organization like Citizen Action that we, we make sure that that permanent organizing has a lens on elections. We just had an amazing conversation about the state legislature and thinking strategically, Citizen Action and our members care and do things like that. Folks, join us. With that, though, we got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Really, really want to uh, thank you, all of our listeners. Stick with us all year. Uh, and uh, really, really want to thank you. We'll see you next week. Battleground Wisconsin.